So if you ever want to get up while I'm talking, if you're bored of listening to me, get up and get a cookie. It'll make it better. Um, it always does, right? <laughs> and as always, um, tonight as I'm talking, just so you know, in case I don't say it again, if you have a question while I'm talking, throw your hand up. If you feel comfortable enough to do so, if you have a comment, input, a story to share, go for it. Um, I'm going to try and talk a little bit tonight and share some stories and hopefully some insight. But I wanted to let you guys know, if you've never been to More to Life before, we meet twice a month. Um, people say it's every other Tuesday. It's not true because we just hit one of those gaps. We went about three weeks without meeting because the month fell all weird. But it's twice a month for sure. Um, you can always go to the website and check it out. It's experiencemoretolife.com. It's got a calendar there. It shows you when we meet and what we're doing. As well in the back, um, when you leave, if you want to know the rest of the dates, there's a card back there like this. If you want to get the friendly emails or texts that come your way, fill one of these guys out, and I'll text you the day of, and then you'll know. Because a lot of times, we get really busy and life gets happening, and before you know it, you plan on doing things, and then you forget, and it just happens all the time. So you can fill one of these out, and we will make sure that we text you and get a hold of you. I wanted to also point out if we're making these posters available, we're putting them around town, we're doing a lot of things just out in the community. If you have a place where you can hang one or if you know that you want to take one and put one up somewhere, grab them. They're in the back. These few posters just to put up. We will be meeting throughout the summer this coming year. We took a break off last summer, didn't meet. Um, but we will meet through the summer coming up. We also have kind of a high school edition more to life that happens one Sunday a month. And that right now happens at my house, <laughs> in our living room. And it mainly focuses on conversation around these same themes that we talk of here. And these high school students in the front row here come to it, as well as some of their friends. But um, yeah, just trying to create a little bit more consistency with the high school students. They need this three times a month. Adults are like, eh, maybe two. Anyway. Um, and as well, Tony, where are you? Do you want to talk about this real quick? Um, yeah, I guess I can. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. So this is the fourth year we're doing it, but I do a fundraiser for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. I have Cystic Fibrosis, so we do this every year. Um, it's at Eric's. It's going to be on May 6th, May CF Awareness Month, so we do it this first Saturday of May. And then the subsequent Saturday, we go down to Denver and do a walkathon. But it's from 5 to 9. It's a silent auction. Uh, I think it's $10 to get in. You guys get pizza, drinks, um, all the arcade, or not all of it, but a lot of the arcade stuff. Um, Chris and Jeff also donate a bunch of the arcade earnings that night, too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a really fun time. Um, I think last year we raised about $5,000. So it's awesome. Um, if anybody has contacts for donations at all, too, um, I have some of those flyers at the back. I can put my name and number down there, too. I don't have my number on there, but um, if you guys have ideas for sound auction donations that you guys can get a hold of that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, but we have about a month, so let me know. Um, I think we meet you for more to life before May 6th, too. So you yeah. can just bring it to me, and I'll probably be here. So. Cool. Thanks. Cool. Highly recommend Miss Pac-Man down in the arcaded Eric's. And the four-person Pac-Man, which is ridiculous. <laughs> have you guys done that? No. Oh, my gosh. You're missing out. Um, a lot of fun. I like that game a ton. Anyway, tonight we are teaming up with Building Hope. And if you guys haven't heard about Building Hope, the initiative going on in this community, it's awesome. 
And we've got this literature in the back too for you as well. So you can stay informed with um, just what Building Hope's doing, what's going on, why they were created, why it's here, and the, the impact and the effect that it's gonna have on our local community is pretty impressive. Um, it's already making like huge ripples and I love it. So we've teamed up with Building Hope here tonight and that's why I'm talking about what the funk. And here, let me put it up here so you guys get it. They always, they ask me for a title. I always feel like I gotta come up with something really catchy, something cool. So this is the one that we're talking about tonight, what the funk. And I read this book called Emotional Agility. Highly, highly recommend this book for every person sitting in this room by Susan David. Such a good book when it talks about like our emotions, our feelings, how to navigate those in the middle of life, what it means to thrive, like with everything that's going on in the spectrum of our emotions. Really good book. After reading this book, I was like, you know what? I wanna do a talk that surfaces some of these themes, maybe takes it a little bit further, has some of my stories in it. I wanna do it in more to life. That's what you're getting here tonight. She has this little section that's actually titled What the Funk, and the whole idea is you should ask that question with your feelings. You should ask the question, what the funk? What function does this feeling serve me? What role does this feeling serve for me? What can I learn from this moment? And I thought it felt really well with this whole idea of more life and adventuring inward and trying to transform your life and your story. So that's what we're gonna talk about here tonight. And I was, I almost copped out. Because like sometimes it's hard to come up with a talk. Have you guys ever stood in front of people and talked? It's tough, right? Like I just had someone contact me about a week ago and she said, Phil, I don't know how you do this all the time. I had to do it and it wrecked me for like the month ahead of time. And then on the day of, I was a nervous wreck and then I stood up there and I felt like a deer in the headlights a lot and I didn't know what to say and I stumbled over things and uh, and I'm like, yeah, I still get all those feelings. <laughs> I still have it all happen. But a lot of people are afraid to do this. And I almost copped out and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just show the Pixar film Inside Out. Anybody seen it? If you haven't seen Inside Out, that will be a great, like, go do that after this, right? And yeah, it's a kid's animated movie, but there's a lot going on in that movie. When it's talking about your feelings, where do they come from? Why do you have them? How do you deal with them? Do your feelings control you? Do they? Or is it more like you have them and you get to choose how to respond? You get to choose how to act and how to behave in life. I don't know if you guys have ever had a dream that was so real, you woke up and it affected your mood. So recently my wife had a dream. We're not gonna talk about the details. She had a dream though and she woke up. And like our morning was a little bit distant, right? And then later on she said, I had a dream about you. You were, you were a jerk. And like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those. I've had like dreams that affected the rest of my day. And here's the funny thing, it wasn't even real. It didn't even take place, but the feelings 
that were the result of that dream affected me for the rest of my entire day and I treated people differently because of how I felt about something that wasn't even real. Our feelings, our emotions, they're powerful forces in our lives. Powerful forces in our lives. We need to know that. And often I think we let them get the best of us. Even though we say, and there's that phrase, don't let it get the best of you. Don't let your feelings like control you. We live on autopilot so much that our feelings really do dictate a lot of our behaviors, a lot of our responses. We give them more power and more control than they honestly deserve, like in that story about dreams. And it's kind of crazy, really, because I'm going to draw something up here on the board. I want you to see it. This is what our feelings and emotions tend to look like, okay? I don't know if you guys know this. Right? There we go. And then we have these places, like up here, down here, and right here, that we like to talk about a lot. Those are kind of the places that we like to talk about. I've heard people refer to this as peaks, summits. I've heard people call this rock bottom, valleys, normal, <laughs> right? Like these are all the words we typically associate with this, average. We throw all kinds of different words on that, as if there is a normal or an average. I don't know if you guys can associate in your life what goes where. Job promotion, where's it go? All right, job promotion. Depending on who you're meeting with for lunch. Yeah, right here. <laughs> right, could go up here, maybe down here, I don't know. I don't know. Loss, grief. Down here, getting fired, the test you bombed, boom. Getting accepted to college, woo. Like, we throw these things onto pretty much those three areas on the spectrum of our emotions. It's what we do. Now, I talked recently about the idea of good days and bad days, and I said that we should stop asking people to have a good day. We should just say, have a day. Like, <laughs> We shouldn't even label it anymore. We shouldn't even like throw out the expectation. Because everybody says, how are you doing? And you feel like you have to say good. And um, I told the story that <laughs> within the past two months, someone asked me how I was doing. And I was like, awful. And I just let them have it, you know? <laughs> and, and people were like, whoa. It's not the norm, and it's not true. But it was honest. It was honest. But I affectionately like to call this place down here the dark side. Mainly because. When I think of the dark side, I think of the force. I think of Star Wars. And I think there's a lot that we can learn and use from the dark side. And so like, I like to call this place the dark side. But being alive means riding these waves, feeling these waves, having to navigate these waves. And the good news is, if you can see those waves, you know that negativity is normal, <laughs> right? The dark side's normal. We have the waves. We have those fluctuations. We're hardwired to feel the broad spectrum of emotions. Science actually concludes that, regardless of what we think, we would love to live this. But we couldn't handle it. It's almost like over-medication or something, like being up here. Like, we can't live at the peak. 
all the time. We're not meant to do it. Our emotions have served us well. They've gotten us here in the process of evolution. Like, we're here because of our emotions and our feelings and all that they allow us to feel and experience and avoid and participate in. But being human means making mistakes sometimes, means getting hurt, it means being stressed out. Being human includes the dark side. It includes the middle. It includes the peaks and the summits. So real quick, they've told me, and I read, that we have seven basic emotions. Anybody want to take a stab at those? We've got seven of them. Fear is one of them. Anger is one of them. Joy is one of them. Sadness is one of them. I heard disgust. I'm going to write it up here. Surprise is one of them. Boredom? It's definitely an emotion. It's not one of the seven. <laughs> We've got six, right? There's only one other one. I'll put it up here for you. You ready? It's contempt. Try not to draw over my son's pretty drawing for you guys. I don't know if you can see it in the neon yellow. Welcome. Um, the seven basic human emotions. Now, this is what I find really interesting. Let's put these where they go. Right? So anybody, Joy, where's it go? All right, it's up here. Yes. Surprise, where's it go? Trick question. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Trick question. Surprise can, surprise can be in a lot of places. Right? We'll just write surprise across. All right, so we've got two done. There's five left. Can you guess where those five go? All across the bottom. Let's put others. <laughs> What's really interesting is that in our seven basic human emotions, five, sometimes six of them, all find their home on the dark side. It's pretty interesting that the majority of the emotions that we feel take us there. Now, we've gotten here with all of those emotions, so I want to suggest to you guys tonight that asking what the funk is a really important question. Because if we're in the dark side a lot and we experience those emotions, apparently they can signal things for us. They can teach us. We can learn. We can pay attention to our feelings and we can be better for it. And we're not going to avoid this place. We're going to embrace it. We're going to kiss it. We're going to love it. We're going to like learn from it and ask some important questions. We have to learn to live and work with the dark side. So with waves being normal and our emotions being all over the place, it's important to recognize and note something really quickly. Your feelings and thoughts and emotions are not facts. They're not facts. Your feelings, thoughts, and emotions are not facts. 
Some are valid, some are appropriate. Others are misdirected and out of place. Sometimes your feeling, thoughts, and emotions are accurate reflections. Sometimes they're harmful distortions. But regardless, they're all a part of you. They're all a part of me. They're all a part of my story. And so I've got to learn how to live with those feelings, how to navigate these waves so that they don't control my responses and my behavior. And if they're not facts, then you're asking, like, so what are they? <laughs> like, if they're not facts, what are they? Okay, so on an average day, you roughly speak about 16,000 words. It's what you speak. Your inner voice adds thousands upon thousands more. And that's the voice that you often stop from actually speaking, but it's still playing, and it's still speaking inside of you. In fact, it won't shut up, and it's kind of without pause, making comments, observations, providing analysis of the situations, and it just won't stop. And that's why they've given it the name Chatterbox, right? You have an internal Chatterbox, and it is on a loop, and it is without pause, and it will not stop talking. And I also want to suggest to you that sometimes it's unreliable. Anybody? <laughs> right? Internal chatterbox can be unreliable. It can be biased, can be confused, and honestly, sometimes it engages in self-deception. And a lot of times, the feelings that you feel are the result of this internal chatterbox going on. It's a you know, it's analyzing, it's providing these commentaries, it's providing you with a framework and a story, an inner narrative, and, and suddenly you feel a certain kind of way. And here's where I want to take this. Last week I told a story about a guy who contacted me and said, you know, my dad, I never heard him sing once in his life. Never. I never heard him sing. And just before he passed, my friend told me that he was with his dad and his dad had told him the story of why he never sang. I mean, he never did it in the car, he never did it in the shower, he never heard him sing. Our house is quite the opposite. <laughs> my boys are embarrassed by it mostly. But he told his son that when he was in kindergarten, he sang a song for show and tell and the teacher told him that he didn't have a good voice. Now. He carried that experience with him and that memory of him. And every time he wanted to sing, there was a voice inside of him that said something. You don't have a good voice. Do you remember what happened last time? You'll just feel like that again. It will all happen that way again. Don't open your mouth. Don't do, you know what I mean? And the chatterbox speaks. That chatterbox, a lot of times, is basing and trying to make you feel something off of a previous experience or a memory. And who knows if it'll go down the same way again? Nobody does. A lot of times, that internal voice, that chatterbox, will actually judge you. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but that's my main voice inside, right? It'll judge you. Um, I feel like in the past three years, I've been dealing with the issue of forgiveness, and that's why at More to Life last year we talked about it like on seven different occasions. 
And I talked about this concept of forgiveness and what it means to go through the process and experience kind of healing. Um, Whenever someone hurts me and it goes deep enough, I find myself listening to a voice that says, that shouldn't hurt you that bad. You shouldn't feel this strongly about this. You should get over this. It shouldn't take this long. And all of a sudden, it's like that inner voice is judging me. It's telling me the fact that like, um, I'm, I'm not measuring up somehow. I'm, I'm weird, like this isn't working. What's wrong with me? And all of those feelings take place. So you've got the internal chatterbox basing off of memories, past experiences. You've got the internal chatterbox that just judges you and like kind of rips you apart. And then there's the other thing that I feel like the internal chatterbox does, which is it does comparison. It makes you look around and it shows you all the other ways of dealing with things or, or um, participating in things or the other paths of life, really. We just did a book study for More to Life, and we looked at this book called Present Over Perfect. It's the whole idea of letting go of the notion of perfection and settling, yes, settling for now. And the fact that it can be messy, but being present and letting go of that carrot on the end of the stick, oh, such freedom in that. And the ability to live here and now. And when we read that book and we sat around and discussed it, one of the things that came up was, you had this woman who was living a story and, and she, had, she had a few different houses and she had kind of this income that she could just tap into all the time and she didn't necessarily have to work. And we were talking about it in the group and the internal voices in almost all of us kept saying one thing over and over again. And it was this phrase, must be nice, right? We were like reading her story and trying to take her advice and everything she was offering us, but the internal voice just kept saying, must be nice. Yeah, just to stop working and travel the world for two years to find yourself. You know, like, like you just kind of go there. And so there's this internal voice, whether or not it's like completely dismissing what you're looking at by comparison, or if it's telling you like you don't measure up. You have these feelings, and they're directly linked to that internal voice, that internal chatterbox. And I'm telling you what, if you listen to that voice, I mean, you're speaking 16,000 words a day, but then you've got that other voice, the inner critic, the internal chatterbox going. And if it's adding thousands and thousands more, that voice is exhausting. I've entertained that voice so much. Spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, draining and exhausting. And when we listen to it enough, we kind of accept the things it says as fact and the feelings that result as fact. And suddenly we find ourselves blaming our actions on thoughts. Well, I didn't sing ever again because, you know, she said I didn't have a good voice and and people wouldn't like my voice, so I never did. I never sang again. You can also find yourself spinning your wheels and exhausting a lot of precious, sacred energy 
talking through like looped drama or conversations inside of your head that aren't even real. Well, I think I know how that'll go down. <laughs> and then so you just play it. And you run through all the different scenarios. It's like those books we used to read when you would pick paths, you know? And then you would go back and read every path possible. And it's like you're doing that in your mind. And by the time you actually enter into a scenario or you show up to what's going to happen, you're so spent already and exhausted. And you already feel a certain way about it because you've kind of determined in your head how this is going to go down, even though it hasn't. It's never taken place before. I feel like the other thing you can do is end up typecasting yourself pretty quickly. If you listen to those voices inside your head, you can tell yourself, like, here's what I am. There's what other people have thought I am. That's how I'm going to act now. And it can be a very narrow definition of who it is you are. And it can stunt growth and limit like, who you're going to be in this world, who we honestly need you to be. We take all the feelings we get and receive, and we try and do something with them. If we don't just like, automatically have the knee-jerk reaction, like, we try and do a few things. I feel like the majority of people try to ignore their feelings. <laughs> Like, honestly, in the end, it's like, ah, don't pay attention to that. I don't need that. I shouldn't listen to it. Like, just, just ignore it. You try and turn it off. Like, if you have a negative thought come, especially, you try to think positive. You try and flip some switch. Just say, no, 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 I can get over this. I can, just, I can just turn that off, and I'll think positive. Maybe you bottle it up. So you feel like it's not going to affect anybody else around you or in your family unit. You try and contain it, bury it, keep it, hold on to it. You think eventually that feeling might drown, right? It might go away. You push them aside. And I think we're all alive and breathing in this room, so we've all felt it enough, and we've tried those things, and we know they don't work too well. It always comes out somewhere, it always follows us, it always surfaces and pokes its head out somewhere else and in some other situation. I don't know if you've ever seen like a fight erupt instantaneously over something really stupid. <laughs> I've seen it happen a lot. And what I immediately think is, huh, there's more going on there. Because <laughs> it wasn't just about the bad call at the game. Like, right? Like this has deeper seated, rooted emotions going on. There are things that we don't properly grieve. There are things that we don't properly get our anger out. There are issues where we don't rejoice with people enough. Like we are not great at expressing our emotions or working through them. We have them come and then a lot of times we don't know what to do with them. And so honestly too, like we kind of feel like they're an inconvenience. <laughs> like, why do we have them? I don't have time to be angry today. Tough. Get pissed. I don't know. Like, you don't have time to work through the emotion, but you need to. And you need to grasp it. You need to wrap your head around it and deal with it. They actually say that just kind of pushing it off, bottling it up, ignoring it, dismissing it, amplifies the emotion, right? They've seen this a lot. 
And it'll come out somewhere, and it'll probably come out stronger, more intense, worse. So what I want to tell you tonight is embrace the dark side. Because usually, we're not really going to talk about the great feelings tonight. We're going to talk about some of the other ones. And I'm going to say, embrace the dark side a little bit. All the good heroic stories out there, the movies that you're going to go watch, the ones that you care about, the stories that you read that make an impact on you, and you say, I want to read that book again, any of those stories have probably had someone in it that had to go straight into the thick of it. They had to. It probably wouldn't have pulled you in as much if they didn't. And so there are these stories out there where people go straight into it. And granted, like... Most of our stories aren't as epic as the ones we read or watch. <laughs> and they're not exactly sometimes an Oprah moment. But we have stories. And when I say embrace the dark side, what I mean is this. I want you to take time to see your feelings, to truly see them. I want you to take time to recognize them. I want you to take the space to allow them to exist and to be there. And then I want you to name them. I want you to label them. I want you to put something on it that says, this is what it is. This is what it is, and this is where I feel like it falls on the spectrum. I don't want you to judge it. I don't want you to sit down and compare it. I don't want you to even call it good or bad. I would just encourage you to let it be there and to see it and recognize it and to name it. I think in that process, what you're doing is actually letting it out of the internal space. You're kind of taking it out of in here and you're getting it out somehow. I don't know if you've ever seen a show, uh, my wife and I, when we, when we moved here, we, we started up um, heading up a mentoring program. And at the time, the students loved this show called The O.C. And uh, we got hooked, my wife and I. We watched this show. We loved it. Teenage drama. It was amazing. Recently, we were feeling nostalgic, and we decided to start watching it again. <laughs> and so after the boys are in bed, we pop out like a couple of DVDs, and you watch a couple episodes of The O.C. Recently, in one of the episodes, this girl is just going through the ringer with her family, and she's sitting out, and she's being a smart-ass to her mom, and she's just being totally rebellious and doing all these things, and she's sitting out in the chair. She's skipping school, and her mom's come, mom comes up to her, and she says, what is wrong with you? And they get into this really big, intense argument. And she said, I just want you to open up to me. I just want you to tell me how you feel. You don't say anything. You don't talk. You don't blah, blah, blah. And she goes, do you really want to know how I feel, Mom? And she said, yes. Oh, please just talk to me. Her daughter says, okay, and she just screams. She, she screams as loud as she can and as hard as she can because all of the pain that she's feeling from her parents and her family and her life and her situation at school, it's hard. And she's really not processing or dealing with any of it. She's just taking it in and keeping it in and keeping it in. And eventually, in that moment, like Ann and I both looked at each other, we're like, that was, that was amazing. 
It's not what anyone expected. Sometimes it's not what people around you want. But she got it out in this moment, and it felt freeing for her. And it did something. Sometimes letting it out or getting it out might be words. Sometimes it might be sounds, <laughs> depending on your feelings. I've also been a big, big advocate of journaling. I've said it many times here, paper is patient. Paper is so patient. To write down how you feel and the things that you feel and to name them and to say where they are. I read recently that there was this study about a company that had to lay off 100 employees. They were all senior engineers and they had all done this job the majority of their lives. And they all had no clue what they were going to go to next. There was a company that swooped in that wanted to do a study with them. And so they allowed their kind of to form two groups. One group that honestly would not talk about it really or like engage it. They were going to just be a little closed off. Another group that would start every day by writing down about their layoff and how they feel. And after a year, they concluded that the group that actually wrote about it, they were three times more likely to already be employed and to be moving on and to be having their life like step forward. And this other group was still a little stuck. There's something about getting it out, whether or not that's through words, writing, talk therapy, like having a moment in your car where you scream. There's something about naming and labeling those feelings, seeing them, embracing them, and getting them out. Discovering, um, oh, sorry. Um, so we have waves. We accept it. This is kind of what life is. This is the human condition right here. Seeing your feelings not as facts and actually being able to see them as waves and getting them out and labeling, I believe it takes away a lot of their power. I believe it takes away a lot of their power. Which means if you're going to accept that you have waves, if you're going to accept that like I'm going to see all my feelings, regardless of if I think they're good or bad, I'm just going to see them, I'm going to let them be, you're going to have to practice something called self-acceptance and self-compassion. And I've been reading a lot about self-compassion recently because I feel like I don't possess it as much as I could or as much as I want to. But it's the idea that you're going to accept how you feel all of it and you're going to actually practice kindness to yourself when you feel certain things in order to allow yourself to feel them. And so when you have those feelings, you can say, well, what are my feelings actually telling me? Do they point to anything? What the funk is going on? Like, what, what, what is it right now? What can I learn from the dark side instead of simply resisting it, trying to ignore it or dismiss it? Like, what, what is there? I want to be a really good dad. Oftentimes, life feels like it gets in the way. And then suddenly, like, you've got all these things that pile on. And without knowing it, I can start telling myself, you're a really bad dad. <laughs> You're a really bad parent. You don't make enough time. You didn't go to this. You didn't participate in that. You worked too long at that. And that's the internal voice going on. 
And if I can step back just for a moment, and I can say, hang on a second. This feeling that, that's going on here, what is it trying to tell me? It's trying to tell me that I love my kids. I really do. I value my kids. I want to spend time with them. I want to be there for them. Those are all really good things. So then I need to capitalize and make the most of like when I am with them. And I need to recognize those feelings that I do value my boys. And I want to be with them. And I want to make time. And then so I start taking small steps to kind of like live those values out. But paying attention to the dark side a little bit, let me see that value even more clearly. You know, but I don't have to continue to let that internal voice beat me up over these things that are taking place. Rather, I can grab a hold of, man, no, there's a value there. There's something that I do care about. There's something ahead of me. I want to read something to you real quick. It's a, it's a myth. It's kind of folklore. But I thought it was pretty cool in regards to self-compassion and the internal voice inside of your head and maybe what you can do for yourself. It's out of this book, and it says, According to folklore, in a story I heard from many sources growing up in South Africa, where she's from, but have never been able to confirm, when a member of a certain tribe acts badly or does something wrong, he must take his place alone at the center of the village. Every member of the tribe gathers around him. Then one at a time, each person, man, woman, and child, lets him have it. But they aren't describing what a jerky is. Instead, the villagers carefully catalog all of his good qualities. Whether true or not, the legend illustrates the power of a kind word, or two, or a thousand. That's what I'm talking about when I hear that voice that beats me up and says, you aren't a good dad. And it's like, wait a second, no, I love my kids. <laughs> That's why I feel this way because I do love them and because I do want to spend time with them. Now I have to recognize that value and I kind of have to like get out of that loop or get out of that hook or get out of that place and try and take a small step towards, all right, how do I live out that value? How do I find a new job? How do I create more family time? How do I pick up a different script for my life that I feel like I'm not living, but I want to live? I think we've got to learn to see thoughts, feelings, and emotions not as facts, discover the function they serve us. And if they can help us discover what we value, that's even better. If they can really do that, if they can help us tap into what it is we value. Last year, I talked about ikigai. Japanese word. John George knew what it meant. I was impressed. But what? I think you mispronounced it. Ikigai? Ikigai? Is it Ikigai? There it is. Take it straight from him. He knows. That's kind of like your center, your purpose. It's the thing that gets you out of bed. A lot of people talk about it right now as knowing your why, living your why, walking your why. It's that kind of center. It's that, it's that place. It's discovering, in my opinion, your values. You know, have you heard the term social contagion? Social contagion is this idea that like, we like to go with the flow and we do it more than we know. Right? 
I saw an old candid camera, so you guys don't know what that is, but some of you in the back do. An old candid camera video, and these guys got on the elevator and they were like, what do you think would happen if we got in the elevator instead of facing the door, we faced the back? What do you think would happen? And so they staged everyone in the elevator except the person getting on, and everybody else was facing the back. And the person who gets on, slowly gets on and is like, just looks, like what is, and you have to turn around, you have to hit the button, and then they just show the videos, the person's like going, they keep looking around, like feeling really uncomfortable, and then they slowly turn. <laughs> you know, until eventually like, they're facing backwards. I'm like a total idiot, it's like what in the world? The, the idea of social contagion is that like, we do operate on autopilot, we do follow these trends. We do tend to, you know, just kind of follow things. And the shame is, is that like a lot of times we don't do the hard work of figuring out what we value. And instead, we start looking around at what other people value and we claim those things as our own. And values aren't universal. I don't think they are. A lot of people here are crazy about skinning up that mountain, and I'm not. <laughs> right? Like, values aren't universal. And sometimes we get trapped in feelings because we haven't actually ever considered what we value sometimes. And then you end up in places where your life sometimes doesn't feel like your own. You know, you have those moments. And I think getting in touch with what it is you value can be a very good tool for when you're experiencing these waves and you end up down here and you feel like there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction, but you somehow get it out. And you can actually look at that feeling and say, wait a second, this isn't a fact. It's just how I feel. I don't know if that's coming from in here, past experience, or what's going on. But I'm looking at it, and I've got some space here, and I can look at that now, and I can make a decision how to react to that or respond to that based on what I value. What I value. Not someone else, but me. And sometimes, it's a lot easier to look around and just pick up somebody else's script or to pull in somebody else's values rather than to really do the hard work and say, what is it that I value? Sometimes it's hard to put that down. And most often it's not one thing, in case you're guessing. Like, it can be a whole host of things. It can be like a diamond with like all the different kind of faces and the fact that you can see through it. And sometimes you focus on one more than another, but what is it that you value? What is it? I think that's a part of navigating these waves and learning how to process your feelings and learning what functions our emotions serve us. I think it's important to look at that. I was going to read this list for you real quickly that she put in here. These are the characteristics of values that she says. I like her list a lot. She said they are freely chosen and they have not been imposed upon you. They are not goals. That is, they are ongoing rather than fixed. 
They guide you rather than constrain you. They're active, not static. They allow you to get closer to the way you want to live your life. They bring you freedom from social comparisons. They foster self-acceptance, which is crucial to mental health. I love that list. I'm going to email it out tomorrow. <laughs> so you guys get it, okay? If you're on the list, you're getting that tomorrow without getting the book. That last piece, self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-love. Um, I had a couple of other things. I'm not, I'm not going to get into them because I do want to tell you just one last thing. Last year, I did a talk about that internal voice in your head. And I said, get it out, write it down. And I said, even name it. And I didn't say name it like this. I said, give it a name so you can tell it to shut up. Um, so like, and I apologize if anybody here is named Adam. Adam? No Adams? All right, great. So I, I named one of my voices Adam. And I taped it to the bottom of my shoes so I could like step on it and beat the hell out of it sometimes, you know? Like really crush this thing. Like take it and just nail it down because I didn't want to hear it anymore. And one of the things that I suggested you do is this. When, when you're in this place and you feel certain ways, um, one of the things I, I like to try and do and that helps me wrap my head around it even more is I imagine that that voice is talking to like one of my sweet, precious boys because I love them so much. And if a voice was saying that to my kid, I would tell it to shut up. I would silence it. I would interrupt. I would somehow make sure that that voice is not the voice that is paid attention to, that is listened to, that is heard. I would speak up. When I'm talking about self-acceptance and self-love and self-compassion, I'm saying that's what you need to wrap your head around. You need to love yourself like that. Like, no, 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 no. That voice. No, 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 no. I've heard one person say, here's how I envision it. All my feelings, and this is a lot like the movie Inside Out. We're on a car, car trip, road trip, and everybody's in the car. All seven of these people. <laughs> like, we're in the car, but... There are certain ones that definitely have to take a back seat, you know? And there's some that never get to touch the wheel. They don't. But that's how they approach it. And they say, oh, fear. Oh, hello again. Hi. Um, yes, I hear what you're telling me. And I know that you've served me well when I was going to jump off that thing and do that trick. You, you were great in that situation. <laughs> However, today, in this situation, no, like I don't really want to listen to you today. Your voice, you need to just go ahead and get in the back seat today because I can't, I can't listen to you today. There are lots of different ways that people work through it or pull a story in or try and wrap their head around it and say, how can I speak to these feelings? How can I process them? How can I navigate them more? I want to leave you with a couple of questions. And the first one is, what do you feel the most right now in your daily life? Is it something related to finances? Is it something related to health? 
to something related to your family, relationships, school, is it work-related? What do you feel the most right now? And I would ask you to ask the simple question, what, what's the function of it? What the funk? Is there anything that you can learn about what it is you value? Is there anything it's telling you? Because I believe if you can uncover some of that, and then you can say, okay, now what is a small step that I can make to step towards that which I value? That's, that which really matters to me. What is it? Maybe for you, it would be beneficial to like journal. Maybe it would be beneficial for you to write something down. Maybe it would be beneficial for you to like do some talk therapy or see a therapist or a counselor and help process some of those feelings and actually talk them out. Maybe you have a friend who's a little bit, you know, more patient than others. Not as patient as paper, but patient with you. And they can be an ear and they can be a sounding board. See your feelings for what they truly are. They're not facts. See them. Embrace them. I would encourage you to label them. I would encourage you to practice self-acceptance, self-love. And if you can get to determining and, and figuring out some of those values, maybe then you can find the small steps that you can take towards those values more and more among all these waves of life. 655. I got it. I'm going to read to you how she ends her book. I think it's really cool. In case you guys haven't said, like, go buy this book. If you can't, if you can't buy it, talk to me. I'll find you a copy. We'll get you something. She says, um, she talks about the Velveteen Rabbit, the last part of her book. It's really good. That's a great story. She says, when we reach that level of real, that level of emotional agility, not through magic, but through a series of tiny steps in everyday moments over the course of a lifetime, here's how you can start your journey today. Appoint yourself the agent of your own life and take ownership of your own development, career, creative spirit, work, and connections. Accept your full self. Rubbed off nose, shabby ears, good and bad emotions, the whole package. Accept yourself with compassion, courage, and curiosity. Welcome your inner experiences. Breathe into them and learn their contours without racing for the exit door. Embrace an evolving identity and release narratives that no longer serve you. Let them go. Let go of unrealistic dead people's goals by accepting that being alive means sometimes getting hurt, failing, being stressed, and making mistakes. Free yourself from pursuing perfection so you can enjoy the process of loving and living. Open yourself up to the love that will come with the hurt and the hurt that will come with the love and to the success that will come with the failure and the failure that will come with the success. Abandon the idea of being fearless and instead walk directly into your fears with your values as your guide toward what matters to you. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. 
Choose courage over comfort by vitally engaging with new opportunities to learn and grow rather than passively resigning yourself to your circumstances. Recognize that life's beauty is inseparable from its fragility. We're young until we're not. We're healthy until we're not. We're with those we love until we're not. Learn how to hear the heartbeat of your own why. And finally, remember to dance if you can. (laughs) I'm going to leave you with those words. I highly encourage this book. If you're feeling a lot of these waves, if you're grasping for how to navigate these, um, if you need any kind of direction or pointed towards someone who could listen, I I would encourage you to talk to me or send me a message or something. Um, Stay afterwards. But that's us. That's the human condition right there. We've got those waves. Negativity is normal. You know, I like that phrase. (laughs) Makes me feel normal. (laughs) Because I'm like, man, I don't know. And I would just encourage you really, you know, I grew up in the Christian tradition. And uh, I promise you, if you're feeling the dark side, if you're at a valley versus a peak, you'll get through this. You will. And I would encourage you to reach out to other people and talk to them. And I always tell you, like, if the first person doesn't listen, grab somebody else. (laughs) Right? You just keep talking to other people. Because eventually you find someone that will listen. And they will kind of be that space for you. So with that, thank you very much for sure. And it might be the person you least expect. Isn't that true, though? Unbelievable. So true. So we've got information back there on Tony's fundraiser. We've got information on More to Life. We've got information on Building Hope back there on that table. Um, Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Grab some more cake. Grab some more cookies. We'll meet here again on April 25th, and I have no clue what we're talking about that night. No clue. It's just going to be like surprise night. It's going to be good, though. But anyway, thank you guys for being here, and we will see you next time.